We are challenging you to be the church unleashed during the week. Good evening, Whitewater. For those of you who don't know me, and that's probably a number of you, my name is Chuck Proudfit. I've lived here in Cincinnati for a long time. I am what I like to call co-vocational. I lead a consulting firm, and I also lead a work-life ministry here in Cincinnati. And given that Labor Day weekend is coming up, we thought that it would be great to have a message about faith at work. So here I am. I wanted to open up tonight by sharing a brief story with all of you. It might be a story that some of you could relate to. Up on the screen, you're gonna see a photo that I took recently in a restaurant. It's a restaurant that's close to where I live and where I work. In fact, I'm a regular there. I'm there at least once a week and sometimes multiple times a week. In fact, the uh, general manager of the place says that I'm a VIP. That's short for very important patron. <laughs> and so <laughs> when I go in there, I sit down and they automatically know my order, right? It's a Diet Dr. Pepper and Chuck Special. And for any who are interested, I can tell you later what Chuck's special is. But on one special day at work, during a lunch hour, I walked in and there was a new waitress. I had never seen her before and she'd never met me before. But perhaps like many of you, when you go to work and you're working with your colleagues, I could feel that something was out of sorts with her. And as she came up to take my order and I had to spell out what the Chuck special was, I asked her, I said, you know, what's your name? And then I said, you know, I don't know you at all, but I can kind of feel like there's something going on. Are you okay? What's, what's going on? In fact, what I literally said was, what's cooking? And she laughed at that. Uh, but we started to have a conversation. And what I learned was that this is a lady who had recently gone through a very messy divorce. She had left that marriage with essentially nothing. She'd moved back in with her mother, even though she was an adult. The only family that she felt she had at this point other than her mom was her dog. She didn't have a car, so she was literally taking Uber just to get to work every day. And she was four months pregnant. And the father was a waiter at this restaurant. And because they now had a baby on the way, he had arranged for her to get this job. And she's sharing all of this with me because I asked. And that happens sometimes when people are willing to be vulnerable. And I looked at her and we started to have some conversation. I said, you know, I'm just feeling for you. I can only imagine what that's like, but that's huge. And it's not just about your life, it's about this new baby that's on the way. And what was in the back of my mind was, man, I hope she carries this baby to term. So we had some conversation around that. Long story short, as it closed out, I said, could I pray for you? And she said, yes. I don't know if any of you have ever done that before in a restaurant or a public space, but I have never had someone say no when I've asked. And so we prayed for her right there on the spot. And she was so grateful that when she came back with my diet, Dr. Pepper, she had what you saw on the screen, which was a handwritten message on that cup that basically said, Chuck, thank you. That was a faith at work moment. It wasn't orchestrated, and it certainly wasn't, you know, planned out in the sense that there was some sort of big deliverable. 
But what it established was a relationship. And when I go back there now, she looks for me. She seeks me out so she can update me on how she's doing and what's happening. And to be honest, there have been times when I felt not guilty, but uh, wishful that there was more I could do because I feel like there's so much that she needs. But on the other hand, just because I've been praying for her, she comes back to me and she's describing answers to prayer which didn't come from my own effort. It was God moving in that situation. I wish that all of us as working Christians would be attuned to the ministry moments that are in front of us at work all the time. You may not know this, but the average local church, not Whitewater, but the average local church has a congregation of about 85 people and the average working Christian has a sphere of influence of about 250 people, three times the size. So if we could see the people around us at work as ministry opportunities, it would be huge. But most of us don't. Most of us live our lives as what I like to call camouflage Christians. We go to church on Sunday, but when we go to work on Monday, we blend into the background. In a sense, we leave our faith behind. We park it at the door when we go into work. The statistics bear this out. There's a research study that came out just this year, 2019, from the Barna Group, which does a lot of research in the space of Christians and the church. And basically what they found, to summarize it, is that only one out of every four working Christians even aspires to bring faith into work. Those are called the integrators in this graphic that you see up there. Everybody else is either an onlooker or a compartmentalizer. The onlooker says, man, I think it's great all of you want to do that faith at work thing. I want to watch what happens to you, and then if it looks safe, I might dip my toes in the water. And the compartmentalizer says, church is church, work is work, and I'm just not going to integrate those at all. But it gets worse because if you're a practitioner like I am, and ministries that are in this space like Crew, CBMC, Connecting Businessmen to Christ, what you actually find is that only one out of every 20 working Christians brings faith to work. 5% of us. 95% of us are asleep at the switch in the place where most of us could have most of our impact spiritually because most of us spend most of our waking hours at work. So tonight, what we want to do is to take a look at what a faith active work life looks like. And I would share with you that in my view, it boils down to choices. You see, every day when we go to work, we're making choices. And I would suggest to you that our working witness is formed one choice at a time. So up on this screen, I wanted to share with you just five areas of choice that may be easily relevant to you that you could start to think about these when they come up for you at work and maybe make a choice that's thoughtful from a spiritual point of view. First of all, it's the choice of, am I gonna isolate or integrate? Am I going to isolate my faith to the work that I do or the ways that I serve on the weekends in my local church? Or am I gonna integrate my faith in all of my life, including my work? That's the foundational choice because everything else flows from that. But then once I go to work, if I want to be faith active at work, am I going to settle for just a job or am I going to look at my job as an opportunity to serve? Because all of those people around me are ministry opportunities. In a sense, for us, our mission field 
is in the day-to-day marketplace where we work in business and education and government. Globally, 99% of working Christians are employed outside of the local church. Only 1% of us are inside the local church, professionally, vocationally. Then there's the issue of do we compromise or do we commit? See, the work world often defines what's good enough as what I can get away with or what's legal versus illegal. But God sets a higher standard, and he doesn't hide it. It's in Scripture. These are called biblical principles. But to what extent do we commit ourselves to live those out every day in the place where you are working right now? And then there's this issue that you know, we talk about salvation and sanctification, evangelism and discipleship, becoming increasingly conformed to the image of Christ. Are we gonna stagnate at work where spiritually speaking, we don't see it as relevant to our faith or are we gonna soar spiritually at work because we realize that it is one of the most amazing places for us in a sense to be missionaries in the marketplace, to reach people for Christ, first by example and perhaps by testimony and for other Christ followers around us and ourselves to see how God can build us up spiritually through the lessons we learn and the ways that we contribute at work. And then there's the issue of stewardship. Do we stockpile the resources that God affords us in our work lives or do we understand that we don't own any of that? We're called to steward the resources at our disposal for the greater good of the community where we work and where we live. See, we talk in the Bible about the idea of the gathered church and the scattered church, but I would suggest to you that on the weekends or on a Thursday night, we're the assembled church. But through the work week, we are assigned. We are deployed across different jobs and employers, industries and sectors so that we can be the big C church at work. So when you go to work tomorrow, Think about those five areas of choice. What we want to do tonight is to actually dig into those thematically. We want to take the time to interview some whitewater congregants talking about their faith lives at work and the real struggles and solutions that they're coming up with spiritually every day. Let's watch this video to kick us off. Uh, Hi, I'm Timmy Crawford. Um, I really enjoy uh, being active. I like running. Uh, Wife and I have done uh, multiple half marathons. Um, We have two young daughters. Um, We have a daughter, my oldest daughter is Claire. Uh, She's a little over two and a half years old. And then we have a five month old, uh, Layla, uh, that was just born this year. So I work for a restaurant group, uh, One Holland Restaurant Group. I work uh, specifically in our La Rosa's concepts. Skyline was my first job uh, in high school and I worked throughout college um, at Skyline and then I had an opportunity to move in, into our La Rosa's division and my title is Chief Operating Officer of our restaurant group um, but like I said I, I mainly focus in our La Rosa's. We have four stores uh, within within the La Rosa's company. Hi I'm Josh Freibert. Uh, I love watches, knives and pens and I enjoy collecting those and um, buy, sell and trading and doing stuff like that. I have a wife, two cats, a demon dog, two turtles, and uh, pretty much I live in a zoo. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So I'm actually the general manager of Bargains and Buyouts in Green Hills, um, as well as Gear Supply Company. 
and uh, it's an amazing business. I've been working there many, many years. I was blessed with a job um, right out of recovery and uh, started folding bedding and now I work my way up to the top. Okay, hi, my name is Jennifer Wagner. Um, I am the treasurer and chief financial officer of Cincinnati Public Schools. Um, been working there for 26 years. Bill and I joined Whitewater about seven years ago. We currently serve on uh, the ushers team, the prayer team, missions team, and we leave a small group. I love being in a small group uh, because we um, are very intimate with each other, very vulnerable with each other, and we learn how to live out our faith um, in our everyday lives. And we encourage each other, take care of each other. We just do life together, and it's, it's really nice to know that you have a, a small group of friends that um, love you and, and support you, and you can lean on them. So my first question for this panel that we're gonna to interview tonight, bringing faith to work is an uphill battle. It is the path of more resistance. To be honest, it's easier just to go to work and just do your job and not think about what God's job is for you. And yet you folks are walking through a spiritual journey every day when you go to work. And I'd love to hear a little bit about the why. You know, what, what in your heart prompted you to want to make that effort to go the extra mile? Well, um, that's daunting, but I think uh, for me personally, it's, it's one of those things similar to what you said about um, compartmentalizing. I, wanted, I want to avoid that in all areas of my life. Obviously, it's easier said than done, um, but for me, I, I just, I've always been taught that Jesus wants the whole pie. You know, he doesn't want slices. Uh, he doesn't want just Sunday at church or, you know, small group. He wants the whole pie. So uh, I try to live that out and try to do that uh, on a daily basis. And the biggest thing that I've found is just being real with people, being vulnerable uh, and being honest. So uh, showing my flaws, you know, being honest with people and, and they're not hard to find sometimes, especially in a leadership position. So um, I think that having those real conversations, building those real um, relationships, that's, that's always been a place where I've, I've started. So. Good. Hi, so um, I was going through a period early in my walk when um, trying to figure out how I really fit into the church. And so I had that church life and non-church life. Um, and it was a, um, some ladies at church invited me into a study and we did the Purpose Driven Life. And it was a total epiphany for me. I it finally dawned on me that instead of forcing my professional skills into the church, um, I decided to take my ministry into my workplace, and it became my profession became my my personal ministry. And um, you know, I just started small, talking about, well, what did you do this weekend? Well, our church did Solve Sunday, and I was swinging hammers, and um, or you know, I talk about the music, and I've got this new song from Jamie Grace, you know, and it starts a conversation, and so people kind of know that you're open to that that conversation, and um, it's grown a lot. Okay, so uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty lucky at my workplace. I'm surrounded by guys that are actually in recovery and uh, are going through things that I went through. So um, I'm able to actually pour into them and uh, bring you know, God into the workplace and show um, by example uh, what I do and how I live and how I work to these guys um, to try to help them in their ways. So. So all of you developed a heart for this, and I loved your example, for example, a book, you know, The Purpose Driven Life. You suddenly say to yourself, wait a minute, Purpose Driven could include my work. I don't just have to bring my work skills into the local church. I can bring 
church into my day-to-day work. So you start to have a heart for this. But as you guys have practiced, right, as you've gone through the lessons learned, the trials and errors and all that kind of stuff, there are probably some tricks of the trade that have started to emerge for you, things that have made it possible for you to be gentle as a dove, right, wise as a serpent in the way that you integrate faith with work. Talk to us a little bit about tricks of the trade. Uh, For starters, for me, it's something I talk about in almost every interview I do. Um, We pride ourselves uh, as an organization. it's, it's somewhat of a joke, but it's, we, we're serious about it. We have a rule, uh, a no butthole rule. Uh, <laughs> you cannot be a butthole and work for us. Uh, so for starters, being nice to people is, is, uh, is a great place to, to be. Um, and our company has, is, is also uh, very focused on servant leadership. Uh, so a lot of our executives, top managers, uh, started uh, as dishwashers, as cooks, as servers. And they've gotten to where they are, not because of you know a, a degree or an education they got, but because of how they treated people and how they work hard. Uh, so using those examples, pointing to that stuff, uh, that has given me an opportunity um, because people do ask questions. They see when, uh, why are you nice to people? <laughs> you know, when a guest is upset in, in one of our restaurants, why do you handle that situation when human nature and what we see is to react and to uh, retaliate. Uh, so that, that's always been something that we, we, try, we try to in, um, build in our uh, organization. And it's easy for me because it's one of the pillars that we have in our organization. So it's easy for me to, to you know, um, talk about that with people. You become a living example at work because often for people, more is caught than taught. They see you in action. And just yeah, your and, simple heart. And being, being humble in that, too. It's, yeah. it, it, you know, showing, you know, the, the cook on its first day that keeps messing up orders, you know, uh, you know talking to him about that. Hey, I've been there, man. It's okay. Uh, so that, that's really important to, to show that. So for me, I have to be a, li- a little bit subtle because I do work for a public school system and, um, you know, church, separation of church and state and all that. Um, so I started in subtle ways just by developing personal relationships with people. Um, a couple years ago, I started changing from, I'll add you to my prayer list, or I'll say a prayer for you, to actually type out and text the prayer to them. And I found that that is so much more impactful to those people. Um, it actually starts another conversation, and then it spreads. And a couple years ago, um, a group of my staff members came and they said, hey, Jen, we'd really like to start a prayer team. Would you, would you be okay with that? Um, and I said, yeah, absolutely, do it. And I'd love to participate, but I can't lead it because I'm in a position of leadership. I can't force my religion on other people. Um, and so we traded personal cell phones. And when there's a prayer need, the one lady named Carol, she'll text us all and say, um, it's on their break, because we're a union shop. And so they'll say meeting in the, in the mail room. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and it started out with like three or four of us and we just close the door, circle up, hold hands and we pray. Um, and there's, there's only two of us that actually pray out loud but we've grown to about 15 people now. Um, and we can't all make it and it's just whenever people are available but it's really neat to see them praying for each other. Part of what I love with that example is the idea of community, Christian community at work. You know, most of us never take the time to do a spiritual audit of our colleagues to find out where they are spiritually. There are probably other believers in the place where you work, and it's possible to bring us together as a community of support. That's awesome. Often I'll hear a song um, in church on Sunday, and it'll make me think of somebody or something that they're going through. And so I'll text them. I'll either send them the lyrics or I'll say, hey, go look at the lyrics of this song. 
I just did that the other day with that new song we learned, um, Someone's in the Fire With You. I don't remember the exact name. But it made me think of somebody that was going through cancer treatment. And so I texted her the lyrics and just to let her know she wasn't alone. Wow. And so it was really cool. Awesome. So uh, with me, uh, I work in a retail store. So uh, one thing we do is we play Christian music. And I feel like that actually helps a lot, um, not only with the workers, but actually the customers that are coming in, they'll hear it and, you know, a lot of people look at me and they're like, you know, he, he doesn't know Jesus, you know, he doesn't go to church, because I look a little funny. But, uh, so yeah, I, I do the same, people come in and, you know, and I, they hear that music and, and it never fails, like if they light up, they start singing it, um, and then also it opens up the door when people hear that, they, they ask me like, hey, what's going on with the music I heard? And, you know, it's, it's really exciting when people, they, they feel comfortable now. And they open up and we can talk and, you know, like, uh, like we keep saying too, um, you know, lead by example. And, you know, that music on, now the pressure's on because you never know who's watching, you know. So you got to make sure you're always kind and humble and, you know. What I love in that example is our opportunity to create a spiritual climate in the place where we work. You know, people register that even if they're not believers, even if they have no idea how you're making that happen. But music could be an example of that, praying for the people around you. Sometimes that emerges out of conversations, but then following up with them, like, uh, you know, just texting somebody and checking in on them. That's awesome. So I'd also love to hear from all of you about what I'll loosely call a short story, a short face story, where you saw God show up at work. Something that happened spiritually that just made a point to you that God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Um, one specific story, I don't know if I can come up with one um, per se that, that pops, to, pops in my mind, but I think uh, kind of like what Jen was saying just about prayer, I think it's, it's the most powerful tool uh, that we have. And I think that, um, you know, over the last two, two three years, I, I felt a calling just to be more courageous in that in, with prayer. So whether that is like, hey, I'm going to be praying for you, I've tried to move to actually doing it at work with them. So um, I was working a shift, uh, cooking with one of one of my employees, and um, he got a call that his brother was killed in a car accident, like on shift. So obviously we're like, hey, you know, do as he's walking out the door. It's like, hey, uh, Antonio, I want to make sure that I uh, I pray with you, and I know he remembers that now. Um, and you know, another uh, another one of our managers was dealing with infertility, and instead of just sending that text, like you said, uh, actually calling and and. Hey, I know you're headed to the doctor's office. Can I pray? Can I pray with you? Um, that stuff, like prayer, is is a powerful tool, and that stuff sticks with people too. Um, they remember those things. Uh, I, I've mentioned to one of our cooks that uh, my my small group was praying for him and his family because they were going through through something. And two weeks later, he's like, "Hey, you know, I just want to let you know I shared that with my family, and that was a big deal for them. That they they had other people praying for them." So I would say prayers kind of been my number one thing to go to, and and. Um, just being honest with people about it, that I, I am praying for them, whether, you know, they're believers or not. So. And to build on what you're saying, when God answers prayers and we've lifted them up and we've called them out and then God shows up, it's a powerful way to close the loop. And for people, believers and non-believers alike, to see God in motion and to be able to register his movement and that work could be a forum or a venue for that. Great. So I have um, two quick things come to mind. One is there's a gentleman that is a partner with the district. He comes to a lot of meetings, and he's a very um, practicing Jew, a devout Jew. Um, and we, got it, we both got to this meeting room early, and he said, Hey, Jen, 
can I ask you a question? I said, sure, what's up, Greg? He goes, well, I know that you're a Christian, and how do you, how do you feel and how do you think about having um, a boss who's in a homosexual marriage? And, and inside my head, I'm like, red light, trap, trap. <laughs> Danger, Will Robinson. Yeah. So I said, well, you know, I said, um, through my walk, I said, I used to really struggle with those kinds of issues, but I've learned um, in scripture and in study over the years that, you know, it's not my place to be in a, in a judgment position because I'm too going to be judged. And we're all called to love our neighbors. And so I choose to love my neighbor. And then people started walking in the room, so the conversation kind of stopped. But after the meeting was over, he kind of chased me down in the hallway, or the parking lot, excuse me. And he goes, what church do you go to? And so I told him Whitewater Crossing. And he said, would it be okay if I brought my two sons to your church just so they could have a new experience? I said, I love it. Just let me know. Um, and then very recently, when I talked about the, the lady that works for me that's going through um, her breast cancer treatment, she was having a double mastectomy. And I asked her to, let, to have her husband let me know how the surgery was going and keep me updated. And he texted me a couple updates. Um, and I typed out a prayer. And I said, read this to her when she wakes up. And so he did. And um, he was really touched by that. He thought that was really cool. And I guess it started a conversation between the two of them about how I share my faith and help her and um, do stuff. And then about a week later, or actually about a week ago, she called me and she said, my husband Dan wants to know if, he, if you'll coach him on how to share his faith at work. So I thought that was really neat. That is awesome. So cool. So uh, I was kind of hoping it would just skip over me because I had nothing to say. Um, I thought no it would be better going stories? last, but I feel like I should have sat closer. You are a face I'll remember this for Sunday. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> No, God's good. He gave me something to talk about. Um, I drive guys into work every day um, just because they're in our program and we, they don't have a way to get there. And usually I don't talk too much and I don't have coffee until I get to work. But, uh, you know, one day, you know, God had a bigger plan and I, I don't know why I was really chatty and I, I usually don't tell my story too much um, just because I always feel like somewhere better and somebody worse off. Um, but, you know, I was talking to the guys and, you know, I spill my heart out, let, let them know what I went through, where I am now. And a lot of these guys, are, they're fresh in a program. And the one guy said, man, I needed to hear that today. You know, that gives me so much, so much hope and something to look up to, you know. And I had no idea that he has been having a terrible time in the program, um, you know, just having a day-to-day -day experience, not knowing if he needed to leave or not. And I think that really helped him. He's still here, still with us. So it's good. That old expression, small things done with great love can change somebody's life, could change their world. That's super cool. So another question I have for all of you is what it might look like for some of us to get started. And statistically speaking, 19 out of every 20 of us in here are either the onlookers who just watch other people bring faith to work or we're the compartmentalizers. We go to church on Sunday, work on Monday, but we might want to become integrators. We might want to start to bring our faith to our work. If you were giving one simple step to get started, what would it be and why? Uh, it's not always simple, uh, but I think uh, being positive is, is... I didn't say easy. <laughs> I just said simple. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, be, being positive, I think, is, is taken for granted. Uh, in the workplace, uh, I think at times it's very easy to gossip at work, and it's, I think that that's a really... That's a slippery slope. And, and when you are positive and when you are that person that people look to and say, well, I know that they're not gonna speak negatively about people. 
I think that that goes a long way. Um, so people, they're not dumb. People get it. You know, they, they can see through, um, you know, somebody that's putting on a facade or putting on a mask when they go to work. So uh, I love like integrating what, you know, hey, what'd you do this week and talking about those things and being real and honest and, and um, being ready for those questions is, is important. Uh, but I think the number one thing is just, uh, you know, being a positive influence at work, somebody that can, uh, people can go to and, and ask for prayer, or they know that you're gonna be somebody that uh, is gonna be uh, speaking uh, life into, into the job and rather than being negative. I just wanna camp on what I'm hearing you say there, because authenticity and positivity are the two themes that you're bringing forward. And, I think the authenticity part matters so much because there's almost an assumption out there amongst those who aren't Christ followers that Christians are perfect people, they wear a mask or they say one thing or want to look a certain way, but that's not really who they are or what they do. When we come across as authentically who we are, fallen people in a fallen world, it removes that barrier for communication. And the positivity piece, I think that's so striking because I mean, just look at the news every day. You know, you pick up the newspaper and it's just like everything is negative. Our society's so polarized. Everybody's suing everybody, competing, whatever. And when you simply show up with a smile and a kind word, for many people, that's the only smile and the only kind word they may get all day. So those are simple things that make a big difference. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I would say just um, share your story, you know, your life experiences, um, activities that you do at church, or um, many times I'll find somebody will come to me because they're going through some kind of traumatic event, and I've had some kind of experience with that, so I'll share how I use my faith to get through that. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't recommend just walking up to a stranger at work and start spouting scripture. Sometimes I will find ways to work scripture. I won't use the name, chapter and verse, but I'll talk about, well, you guys know the parable is that we're, um, we're planting seeds here, right? Um, or, um, I don't know, sometimes um, when I have the staff meetings, I'll start the staff meeting with a question of the day, and it's something that's very innocuous, like, what's your favorite song, or what book did you read, or who's your favorite author? And, you know, I'll talk about, my, they said, well, who's your favorite author? And I said, God. <laughs> um, or my favorite um, song, I'll say Jamie Gray's, and then it usually just starts a conversation, and then it can go deeper as time goes on. So, One of the things that you just touched on there that I think is really significant is the idea of a personal testimony. The Apostle Peter talks about this. It's the idea of being prepared to share, being prepared to give a defense of our faith or to explain why we have our beliefs. And nobody can argue against your own story because it simply is what it is. And they can either like it or not like it, agree with it or disagree with it, but you own it. And it can be a powerful testimony. It can be a powerful influence. So you guys pretty much said it all. Um, I'm sitting over here hoping someone gets back to me. But uh, I, mean, you, I mean, it's it's the same thing. I mean, what you all were saying is, you know, just, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's being patient and being transparent and uh, waiting for somebody to, to come to me in a certain, uh, you know, they know, hey, you know, I can come and talk to Josh and he'll be real with me um, or, you know, he'll give me some advice and instead of, like you were saying, go and start spitting, you know, Bible verses at people, that usually doesn't turn out too well. Um, so that's pretty much what I got for that. Awesome. Now, 
one of the things, the reason I've got my smartphone up here is just to be able to receive questions or thoughts that could come from the audience to me as the interviewer for all of you. And because I heard you, I have a question and it's gonna start with you and we're gonna work in reverse this time. So you, you, get, you get to answer first. Of course, you don't know what the question is yet. <laughs> it's pass fail, don't worry. Next level. For each one of you, if you were pushing for that next level of faith integration at work or to be that next level of better as a Christ follower living out your faith in your working world, what would that look like? Um, yeah, so, um, man, I guess I didn't like this. Um, I didn't know this was going to happen. Uh, I mean, I guess just... They didn't uh, have time yeah. to prepare for this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess just, uh, you know, doing, doing more, just uh, try, waking up every day, um, trying to be better than I was the day before, and, you know, that, that's the only thing. It's like you said, that, that we're in the next level, and uh, all I can do is just try to do what I do now and do it better and do it more. So, sorry. What I, what, that's good. What I take away from that is, just like an athlete needs to master the fundamentals, right? No matter how good you get, you could be an Olympian, but you're still gonna be getting up every day to practice and you're still gonna work on the basics. And basic spiritual disciplines at work are things like prayer, positivity, the ability to listen, uh, the ability to see where there are felt needs in the people around you and to meet those felt needs. Those are basic spiritual activities that yield a lot of fruit. So I just, I wanna camp on that because that's a big thought there is just taking what you're already doing, the fundamental ideas, but do better at them. And tonight, from all three of these folks, we've heard a whole set of ideas that all of you could implement. So I would say that, you know, I pray always to be a good witness, and I can't say I do it well all the time. I work in a very politicized environment. I'm gonna have, I report to seven elected officials, and so politics are part of my everyday life. Um, and so I don't always think very positively. I've learned not to share my thoughts, um, but just more opportunities to be good witnesses because people do watch how I handle situations. Um, and so um, I have some partners at work that um, we found each other and we support each other. So we um, kind of lean on each other. Um, but so they're just looking for more opportunities to continue to be a good witness. What I loved about what you just said, you touched on two biblical principles. Guard your heart and watch your words. You know, people are going to let us down at work, just like we're going to let people down at work. But to be able to distinguish between the sin and the sinner is a really significant capacity or skill. And it's not easy sometimes, especially if we've been hurt. And the power of words, especially in a position like yours, where you're right, you have elected officials to whom you report, but you also have so many direct reports where your words carry great weight. And so to be very thoughtful, to recognize that what we say has great significance to the people around us and to be very thoughtful about that. Good. Uh, just listening, having the uh, advantage of going third, I think uh, something that actually I've, I've been tossing around and um, thinking about with, uh, with my job is uh, we don't have a mentor program uh, in my organization. We have a we have a uh, organization of about a thousand employees uh, between 23 restaurants, uh, and I see as direct 
director of operations, I see holes in our training. I see holes in um, procedures. And, and one thing that I see, I see holes in areas that we can improve on in our leadership. Uh, and I think by, it's been something that I want to do and need to find the time for. Uh, saying that you're busy is not not a good enough excuse. Uh, so finding uh, finding a solution to to start that um, because I think when when you have someone that's that's assigned or directly um, responsible for your growth and your development. Um, it, it benefits them, but it also benefits you. Uh, we, we talk about vulnerability and, and you know, uh, something that, that always catches, uh, catches um, people off guard. Sometimes I'll go into stores and I won't be in uniform. We'll go, we're doing an event, I'm just getting stuff together and they're like, I didn't recognize you in shorts and a t-shirt. And it's like, I, I do live outside of work, I, I promise. Um, and, and you know, I think that the other positive part of it is by spending that one-on-one -on -one time with, we did, a, we did a survey with our managers. What's the number one thing that you want from us? Like, what can we be doing better as an executive team? And the number one answer was FaceTime. Like, spending time. It wasn't pay me more. It wasn't, uh, you know, make my job easier. Um, it, it was being there and being present. And that's always gonna be a struggle, but it doesn't mean that it's not something that we can't work on. So I think just having, having a mentor program where we're, we're helping uh, drag, drag people along sometimes, but also, um, showing them that we're normal people too, uh, having that vulnerability. Uh, I say things sometimes that I shouldn't say, you know, and, 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 but then again, being able to point to Jesus. And, and I think the big thing is where people know where your heart is. So when you have those personal relationships, it's like, I do screw up. I don't always do the right thing, but they know where your heart is. So. That's awesome. Let's give a round of applause for these folks. I want to pray for all three of you and for all of us as we close out here on this theme of faith at work. Father, I, I just thank you for Whitewater opening up the doors for this conversation. Most of us do spend most of our waking hours at work, but so often we don't even reflect on what it means to bring our Sunday faith to our Monday work. Father, I pray that even tonight as we drive home and tomorrow, Friday, over Labor Day weekend, that we would reflect on what you have for us at work, the choices that we have in front of us at work. Father, help us to understand that we really need to believe that anything in the work world that isn't sinful is sacred, that there is no secular, that we are your ambassadors in the working world, that our workplace is our mission field, and that the people around us at work aren't just colleagues, they are ministry opportunities. Help us to see through your eyes so that we can advance your kingdom. We lift up these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, again, thanks for joining us online today. You'll see links in the notes or the comments section to be able to let us know who you are if you're newer around here and to give generously online if you call Whitewater home. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.